Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. Buck up. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, Portland? Not Mike Lynch. Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to disappoint anybody. My man is in San Francisco soaking up the sun. I, I assume it's sunny in Frisco right now. But uh, I don't know. That, that might now. be the one place in California that assumption might be wrong. Yeah, you know, I haven't been to the Bay Area. So it can get it's it's hella cold at it's, point. Yeah, and they get they get a lot of fog coming off of the bay, so yeah. it'll just be like foggy. And co- the, the sun will be out, but it just can't get through that London fog they well, have down June, there. it's June, so, and remind you, we're getting into, like, mid-June at this point. So, I think the weather might be, you know, kind of okay. I was down there around around this time uh, last year, and it wasn't too, too bad. But it's definitely better than the, the rain that we've been getting here. Although, I can't complain too, too much about the rain, because we've had some pretty beautiful days here in Portland over the past week and a half or so just these past four or five days of rain hasn't been cool but i went to the river like four times last week so i'm good i worked on my tan all type of stuff man so um i, I had fun four times to the river jealous well i mean it sounds like a good idea and it sounds fun but the river you know anytime you go to a, a body of water especially when it's hot man it's draining like i mean especially now you're talking about dragging a cooler of soda and and other things down to the uh, down to the river, and then having to set stuff up, and then having to break it down and walk back to you. It's a it's a it's a big hassle. And I'm a big floater, so this summer I'll be I'll be out there quite a bit. Yeah, um, might be changing the rules on floating soon too here in the state of Oregon. Uh, they, and and you know what they should, and only because man, it, people are a little. I'm, I'm all for having a good time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the good vibe tribe. So I'm, I, I want people to go out there and do their thing. But some people are reckless, like, when they're doing the stuff. Like, if you're going to float, man, do it safely, especially if you're not that great a swimmer. You know, and just so you know, d- drinking and swimming uh, probably aren't the best. It's probably not the best combination, you know, of, of things to do. Yeah, if you're not a good swimmer, you know, if maybe you're not the, having... If you're not the best swimmer, like, I mean, like, I'm talking Baywatch type, uh, you know, then I don't think you should really be out there really drinking like that. People, a lot yeah. of people do heavy drinking too. Like, oh yeah, and they they do it without a life vest, so yeah, they're so out there drinking just heavy. Just be smart. Life vest. Port somewhere and everything. But yeah, if you if you know what river you're going to, sometime in the coming weeks, man, shoot me a, a shot on Twitter at TaylorMade503 at Jesse Osmond, A S Z M A N. You know, just to make sure that you know we can come and kick it. I'll, I'll definitely come out there and hang out with some folks if you want to go float and have a few sodas. Yeah, or 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 brews, you know, kind of. Whatever. I'll drink beer while I'm I'm floating. I won't drink the hard alcohol though. I, it's hard for me to drink hard alcohol when it's so hot outside, man. It's just that's probably the worst idea. Talk so, about dehydrating yourself. Absolutely, man. And the one thing I always forget when I'm going to the river, for whatever reason, it happens every time, is water. 
I always forget to get like a jug or a few bottles of water or something like that every single time. And it's really frustrating because then I have to get out and go back somewhere and try to find some. So hopefully I can be a little more prepared as I get ready to start the summer. But this is Sports Sunday, Sands Mike Lynch. I am your host, Rashad Taylor, for the day. Got my guy, Jesse Osmond, here. Um, interact with us all show long at the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. We got a lot of stuff coming up. You know, it, we're getting it to that time of year. You know, we, we like to call it the dog days of, of summer. And it, it, it's almost there as the NBA basketball is starting to wrap up. The baseball season is really starting to take off and starting to take shape at this point. Hockey is, you know, over? No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't seen any of the Stanley Cup final. I haven't um, seen any of it. It's, I mean. Not on purpose, though. I've been working a lot over the past couple uh, couple weeks, so I've, I've missed most of it. Who watches NBC? <laughs> Which sucks, because NBC, <laughs> you remember for, for basketball, that was must-see TV. Just when the music hit alone, you knew that it was time to go. So you would figure that they would be able to do the same for hockey, but... It just hasn't. It just hasn't hit on like that. It just hasn't hit. No, and it's reason. a great product. It, I mean, well, it, it's a it's a great product. Like hockey is, a, it's just it's one that that translates um, to TV well. I, I think it's fast paced enough. It's it is kind of hard to track if you don't know hockey and you can't track the puck as well because it is you know it's easier now than it was ten years ago with the ultra HD TVs and everything. But. Um, but going to the game, that's that's where you get there's, people hooked. Oh, there's there's nothing like it, especially if you've never been to a, a Winterhawks game. And mind you, that's still kind of it's minor, minor league, league, you know, yeah. and everything. But it's still incredibly intense. Once you get that check up against the boards, and especially if you're somewhere close to it, oh, that's there's nothing to, there's nothing like that. I mean, just imagine going to a basketball game and just throwing a salmon onto the onto the court. You know, either either in in you know jubilation or. In anger, you know, you got a chance to throw some stuff on the on the court. You know, after the, you'd be thrown out immediately. Just just know if you throw a catfish or any type of seafood onto the Moda Center floor, you're being escorted out with the quickness. You yeah. Know? But you know, I think that's just the freedom of, of hockey. Number one, they got the the coolest jerseys in in the world. Agreed. You know, the the hockey sweaters are the might be the dopest jerseys in in, in all of sports. You know, I think I think really baseball. Uh, jerseys are probably next, you know, just the button-ups or everything. I think those are super cool. Basketball jerseys are probably the the least cool. Yeah, At I least don't in my really opinion. enjoy those. They're, they're, they're just glorified um, T-shirts. T-shirts. Or, you know, not I mean, really tank tops. Tank tops, you know? yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never really been a big fan of the basketball jerseys. I've always liked the football jersey, which is going to uh, – which is a good point. We're going to get into uh, – what mem memorabilia would you like to have? We just heard that Michael Jordan's, uh, I guess, game-worn uh, uh, Olympic shoes from 1992 in, in their game against Spain uh, sold for $190,000, which is craziness. So it had Jesse and I thinking, like, what piece of memorabilia would you pay for? So, I mean, and mind you, it doesn't even have to be from an actual I guess I guess sports figure or, or or an athlete for that matter. Like say it's one of those things like you wanted Vin Scully's microphone, or you wanted the chair that he sat in, or you know you you, you wanted Tony Gwynn's dip that he had at, at some point. You know just, it's something really random might mean something to you. So make sure you text us Isaac Rop's earbuds. Boom. You know what I'm saying? I think that will be you know Big Sook's flannel. You know what I mean? Something <laughs> something along those lines. Now, I want a pair of Sook's Danner boots. That's what I want. 
you know. So, you know, go ahead and text us at the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305, as we get into that. We got a lot of stuff coming up for you today. What is Cleveland going to do to force a game six, which will be, I believe, Wednesday? If they actually can, go ahead and win game five, which is tomorrow night. Is Draymond Green the most hated athlete in sports? Not basketball, sports. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. Odell Beckham wants his money. I agree with him. He should get it. We're going to dive in a little bit about that. We're going to get some game five in. We're also going to talk a little bit about the memorabilia as we spoke about. But first, we're going to go ahead and dive in to game four. Cleveland Cavaliers beat, yes, beat the Golden State Warriors 137-116. Really, the game wasn't close at any point for Cleveland. I mean, and I think there was that feeling for most people that this is where Golden State turns it on. This is where they come back, and it just never happened. Cleveland scored an NBA record, 86 points at the half, or at least the NBA Finals record, 86 points at the half, which is strange. You're not used to seeing the Cleveland Cavaliers go off like that as far as scoring, but they had a phenomenal, phenomenal night last night, or uh, two nights ago, excuse me, and it, it kind of has a lot of people, the memes have started, and it has a lot of people thinking, oh, can they actually come back and do it? You know, the, the, the current... Standings are, are 3-1. Can the Cleveland Cavaliers do it a second time? Easy answer, no. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. There's a lot that's changed about this Golden State Warriors team that, you know, well, that's obvious, so we're not going to go too, too far into that. But Cleveland showed last uh, on Friday night that they won't be punked. And you heard, a, a, most of you probably heard a, a drop from Tristan Thompson as he was being interviewed, and he was saying that we just weren't going to let them punk us tonight. And I think that was the main thing. You've seen a team for the past four games, or three of the four games, that was just outclassed. Cleveland looked slow. Cleveland looked unathletic. And Golden State just looked like the young, spry kids that just ran these old dudes, you know, off the court. And game four rolls around, and you think that this is where it all comes to a head, and we've seen history, and a team runs through the playoffs in 16 games. And I'll tell you, that wouldn't have been that impressive because... Prez on my 2K, he goes undefeated through the playoffs every single year. So that's not as impressive. It wouldn't have been history. Prez, number eight on NBA 2K17, does it every single year. So I'll just go ahead and put that out there for everybody. But you're looking at a team in the Golden State Warriors that just, again, they got, they, they got punked. You look back at the NBA Finals last year, and when Cleveland really turned it on is when they got more physical with the Warriors. When, you, when they finally understood that we're not going to beat them at their game, they're better jump shooters than we are, that's not how, how we're going to do it, they decided to rough them up inside. And that's exactly what happened. And when that happens, they took Steph Curry out of the game. He's not a guy that likes a lot of contact. And if you watch that game, every single time Steph Curry came around a screen or was trying to fight through some of those screens, he was getting a nice little elbow and shoulder into that rib area, into that shoulder area of his. And I think it was it made it really, really difficult for him. Steph Curry was four for 13. 13 shots for Steph. That's number one. I don't think you're going to see that again. I don't think he's on the, one of the best shooters or the best shooter that we've ever seen. The third best player on the floor. There's no way he's only going to shoot 13 times. But you have to give Cleveland credit. Every single time Steph came around one of those screens, there was a Cleveland Cavalier there to, to greet him. And usually greeted them pretty physical. Steph was minus 25. Steph Curry, the dude that won the unanimous MVP a year ago, was minus 25. But he also had 10 assists. So that part shouldn't be overlooked. Kevin Durant, there's nothing you can do about him. 
And I think Cleveland made a game plan to say, man, let's take Steph out of the equation. Because if we don't, then he's going to, then both of them go off. You have no chance to win. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and talk more about this. We're going to break. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what the Cleveland Cavaliers have to do to force a game six right here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 917 here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. I, is it really beautiful? I can kind of see out of the now that I'm sitting in Lynch's seat typically, you know, I'm all usually on the other side, but I can kind of see out the window in the boardroom a little bit and it looks gray. See some trees. Got a little overcasty going on out there. Uh, I, I, I think they it's actually be like this all day. have one window uncovered in here so I can see the light of day and it's it's overcasty. It's cool. This will be my only time actually being outside. I will be working much like I did all day yesterday um, at the Rose City Showcase. Um, for those of you who don't know what the Rose City Showcase is, it is a basketball tournament for teams um, ages, I believe, um, first grade to all the way about to high school. And um, I will be at Self Enhancement Incorporated until 6 o'clock this evening or about 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, yesterday I got a chance to see some really, really good young players um, come through there. Uh, there was an eighth grade kid who I saw dunk on somebody's head off of a tip, and that was pretty impressive. I saw a couple first and second grade teams. I'll say this. Hey, you parents are flipping crazy. Like, I mean, there's not one of them that doesn't believe it. You know this, Jesse, having covered high school <laughs> yeah. basketball and did some of these things. Man, every AAU parent believes that their kid is the best kid on the floor. There's there's no reason that they shouldn't have plays ran for them. Every p- parent believes that they could do a better job than the coach. It's it's really, a, it's it's crazy. I have to tell some people, and I usually have to do it quite often, just, hey, man, there are no scouts coming to watch these first and second grade students. There's no, there's no, you know, place for them to sit or there's no, like, designated spot for anybody who's coming from a college or university to come and watch your second grade son play. It just doesn't happen like that. But every single parent is already thinking college and they're already thinking uh, what, what prep school these kids are going to go to to kind of hone their skills. And it, it's kind of, a lot of it, I, 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 I see where it can be supportive and I can see where it can be a good thing. But, you know, as a parent and as a, you know, as a coach and some of those things myself, I know where it can be detrimental to the student. It can be, and really it creates a, a, like a falsehood for the parents. Like you think that your kid is going to be, you know, all world. And the fact is like, if they don't grow to be six foot seven, you know, six foot four, chances are they won't be playing on, on a collegiate, you know, level a lot of times. And it it limits their opportunities to find other sports that they athletics that they might be good at i i was a multi-sport athlete I, I played five different sports in school i very much believe in the concept of cross training uh when you're when you're a basketball player you shouldn't be pl- playing basketball year round you should be playing other sports to help cross train you it's easier on your body it, it teaches you i it can teach you to look at your sport in different ways. I, it can you can find out that maybe you're better at a different sport. And I think it's I think it's good to be able to use those muscles in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're constantly playing football and your con- your body is you know used to football movements, a lot of times it can be tough to you know do anything. 
else, you well, know. And so I think it's I think it's important for kids to play football or soccer in the fall, you know, or volleyball in the fall or whatever, then turn around in the winter and, and wrestle or play basketball or, you know, and then in the spring do track or baseball or lacrosse or, you know, swim, whatever the case is. I think it's important for kids to be well-rounded. And also I think it's good to put them in different groups of, of people. You know, the, the people that you're going to meet on your track and field team are going to be much different than the, than the 12 guys on your basketball team. Those are going to be much different from the 40 guys, 50 guys on your football team, depending on how big your high school is. But if you're around, uh, go ahead and look it up. I believe it's rosecityshowcase.com. Um, you can go ahead and see all of the sites that's going on. And if you're around North Portland uh, and you're around the Center for Self-Enhancement on Kirby Avenue, come check your boy out. I'll be there for most of the day. So we talked a little bit about what the Cleveland Cavaliers did in game four to force game five, but what do they have to do to force a game six? And I think some of the answers are, are, are relatively easy, at least for me. And make sure you interact with us on the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. Number one, they have to do what they did in game four, and that's take Steph Curry out of the game. Easier said than done, yes. But I think it's going to take a concerted effort from the entire team. It can't just be one guy. You know, and the, the thing that, that happened that was much different was Steph, like I said, he caught some physicality every single time he tried to do something. So let's say this. Like, if Golden State goes as Steph Curry goes, it's not Kevin Durant. It's not Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson has been obsolete in some of these games as far as the scoring goes. His defense is really what's kept him on the floor, you know, most of the time. But... For the most part, this team goes as Steph Curry goes. I have a couple stats I want to go ahead and throw at you. So, game four, Steph was minus 25 and had 14 points. So, let's go back. So, when he struggles, they struggle. Let's go back to the losses in last year's finals for Steph Curry. Game three, Steph had 19 points, was minus 22, three for nine from three. Game five, Steph had 25 points, was minus six, was five for 15 from three. Game seven, uh, uh, excuse me, game six, uh, Steph had 30 points, yes, but he was also minus 10. Kyrie Irving was completely cooking him. And then game seven, Steph had 13, 17 points and was minus three. Are you seeing a trend here? When Steph Curry struggles, the team struggles. When Steph Curry is on point, the team is on point. While Draymond might be their emotional leader, Steph is the one that ignites that party. He's the one that, that, that lights that whole thing because when he gets going and he gets confident and he's doing his little shimmy and he's kicking his legs up and letting everybody know that, man, I'm the man, I'm in here, I'm, I'm cooking people, that's when Golden State starts rolling. That confidence goes through the roof. And then all the guys on the bench, the Sean Livingstons and the, uh, the Andre Iguodala's and all these guys, they feed off of Steph's energy. And, and the crowd and, and Oakland feeds off of Steph's energy. When he doesn't have that, though, that team struggles. It's like if you take Draymond Green off of that team, instantly all their toughness right out the window. You can push them around. You can do whatever you want to. Draymond is, is what keeps that team grounded. Steph Curry is what keeps that team winning. Well, let's, let's just be honest. They won 73 games without Kevin Durant last year, and that was because of the unanimous MVP. When he struggles, this team still struggles, even considering Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Now, this this whole argument has gone by the wayside here in the last season, season and a half for Dame. But do you remember when Dame used to say, I I'm every bit as good as Steph, right? Say, uh, 
Dame is that same type of importance where as Dame goes, this team goes, this offense goes, you see the same thing here in Portland. Steph is that that guy. You're right. He is the energy. He is the sustenance to that obs, uh, that offense. You know, um, Durant makes it dominant, but Steph is the emotional leader. He's the distributor. Yes. He, he reminds me, like, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. I'm like, who does Steph Curry remind me of? And you... The, you might think I'm crazy, but I think he's like a blend between Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant. Like, like to me, if I was thinking, what is what is Steph Curry's? He's kind of a guy that he he's a blend between Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant, if you ask me. And so, it, when you got a guy who's talented like that, who can make basically every shot, obviously he can shoot the three from wherever he he wants. Um, you start seeing a guy hit threes from thirty feet out. How do you not just feed off of that and have that confidence? Oh, this guy's shooting like that. Well, we can do anything. And it makes seen, you feel like Superman. And you saw in game one, uh, after they got into a big lead and they made a few threes, and Andre Iguodala hit that big three to kind of put him up at the end of the quarter, and he looked at them and said, I'm ready. I'm ready to play, guys. I'm out here doing it. And I think because Steph makes it okay. But mind you, Steph Curry is the only dude in the NBA who takes – he takes terrible shots. You would never teach your, teach your kid – how to shoot like Steph Curry. Never, ever, ever on earth. Like, everything about the way... You'll teach him how to shoot like Clay all day. you teach him how to shoot like Durant. That's no problem. You would never teach your kid how to shoot like Steph Curry. But he's like, he's magical. Like, when it leaves his fingers, it's likely to go in. And so the last thing you can do to, for Steph Curry is give him easy looks at the basket. And you look at those first three games for Cleveland, that's what they were giving him. Wide open, easy looks at the basket, like letting him spin the ball two and three times before he shoots. Like, the, you don't want to do that for the greatest shooter that we've ever seen. One of the th oh, we got a message here here on the uh, Bridgeport Beers text line. If they want to win game five, they have to shoot as good, if not better, than game four. That's the only reason they won, absolutely. They, you can't go backwards now. Like no. the, the one one of the reasons that they shot so well in game four and even even back to game three, we forget how good they were in game three. If Kevin Durant doesn't make that phenomenal shot, which is going to be in basketball lore for the next 15, you know, 15 years when they start talking about five, the NBA finals and great shots, that one from Kevin Durant was as good as it gets and as good as we've ever seen. But you look at what J.R. Smith did in game five, game four, uh, three. 15, 16 points, and he finally made some shots. You look at what he did in game four, 16 points and finally made shots. Over these past two games, J.R. Smith is 10 for 19 for three. That's what Cleveland is going to need if they're – he's electric. Say what you want to about J.R. Smith. You don't like him, put a shirt on, whatever you want to say. J.R. Smith, yes, he's an idiot. I'll go ahead and say it. But if you follow him on Twitter, dude is funny. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely keep you entertained. But J.R. Smith is one of those guys that you want shooting the ball. And I know it seems weird that he's going to the corner and he's falling away, but that's the shot that you – sounds weird. You kind of want J.R. Smith taking that shot. That's his shot. Sounds weird, but, yes, that's exactly what it is. You definitely need him to, uh, to show up. The Cavaliers are going to need exactly what they've been getting from Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love has been one of the unsung heroes of what Cleveland's been able to do, especially in their success in Game 3. It's kind of started there. Look at what he did in Game 4. Kevin Love is averaging 11.5 rebounds and 18.5 points, both of which are up from his regular season average. So you can't say that he's not doing his part. So, so far in this series, Kevin Love has been what you kind of expected him to be, which is just a solid guy. And also, he's averaging 2.8 
uh, steals. Let's go ahead and put that out there. So he's a guy that's definitely coming through. Then you're looking at the energy guys. Where the hell did Richard Jefferson come from? And and who who thought that he would be somebody that would kind of create impacts with steals and just extra hustle and, you know, uh, big buckets when they need it? Those are the things that Cleveland is going to need to really harp on moving forward. There's nothing you can do about Kevin Durant. He's Kevin Durant. He's freaking Kevin Durant. He's going to score points. He's the best scorer that the NBA has ever seen, period. Nobody is a better scorer than Kevin Durant. He is a six. He's a 6'10", two-guard. Nothing you can do about him. Only, the only thing we've seen as close to Kevin Durant is Dirk Nowitzki. So, but outside of that, there's nothing you can do about KD and the scoring. So the way you have to do it is go ahead and take out Steph Curry. We've got to go, but I want to talk more about this when we come back right here on Sports Sunday. But first, Jesse has Sports Center. Sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9:34 here in gloomy Portland, Oregon. Uh, Jesse bought something up. Actually, I was watching it yesterday, and I want to make sure we give a quick shout out uh, to the Oregon Ducks track and field. I want to make sure that you, we give uh, a big salute to you. Um, Yesterday, the women won the 4 by 4 relay and I believe broke a world record as they ran that 4 by 4 by 4 And it came right after um, Oregon's Deja Stevens fell during her 200-meter dash, which I believe she was favored to win, but then she just took a dive at that point. So shout-out to the Oregon women who went out there, and I believe you said they won a triple crown. Jesse, is that what you said? Yeah, uh, um, not exactly sure what that means. I'm sure it has something to do with like winning like, indoor say, track, like outdoor track. Because because indoor they have indoor track, outdoor track, all those different things. It could also be they won all the relays. I didn't. It's one of those things where you know the Go Ducks page on Facebook kind of fills my Facebook page full of things, and that was one of the things that I saw last night that they were the first um, team ever to get the triple crown. Yeah. Get us on the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. Let us know what the Triple Crown exactly is in track and field. I'm, I'm not all the way sure. Is I mean, it could it be winning three events? Could it be just sweeping all the events? I don't know. Let us know here at the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. We got a couple uh, text here about the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers. They shot well in game four because they knew if they miss, the refs will call a foul. Nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean the the, the refs it, the, the refereeing in this series has been it's been really hot and cold. There have been parts to where the refs the refs just let them play, and I'm good with that. Especially if we're talking about deciding a championship, man, stop with the the patty cake fouls and just let these guys play. I have no problem with that. You find it, Jesse? What yeah. is it? It's like I was thinking. They won the indoor, outdoor, and cross country national titles this there year. There you go. Quack quack quack. <laughs> go Ducks. There you go. There you go. So I'll I'll definitely take it. So, that yeah, but the, the man, number one, Oregon track and field is always going to be elite. You know, this is kind of one of those things. You know, having – I did track and field in high school. I mean, 
I wasn't good at it, but I definitely did it in high school. But um, to, to go to Oregon and to be on the track and field team, that means that you've that you're a boss when, when it comes to winning events out there. So shout out to the Oregon Ducks and what they were able to accomplish. So we were uh, we were kind of talking a little bit, and one of the things that we've kind of noticed, or not noticed, I think everybody's kind of noticed, is how much people do not like Draymond Green. And it got me thinking, is he the most, I guess, irritating or unlikable person in sports, just in general? Or is there is there someone else? Because I think for right now, just because they're in the NBA Finals, because his team is so good, um, you hear a lot about Draymond. We talk a lot about Draymond. Draymond likes to talk a lot about himself and what he and his team are going to do. And I'm just curious, get at us at the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. Who's, who's more unlikable than Draymond Green? Like, and, and so everything you hear is that, man, he's the coolest guy when – you get a chance to talk to him, and when you kind of sit down with him, he rides for his teammates, which means he has no problem, you know, getting in the mix with any opposing players, opposing fans, uh, people's parents, you know, whatever the case is. Man, Draymond, if it's for the Warriors, if it's for his squad, he'll definitely step in. And so for that part, I don't really, I don't mind Draymond. I think every team has to have kind of that a-hole that's going to be, you know, your, your, your toughness for you. You know, for here at the Blazers, or for the Blazers, excuse me, it used to be Joel Pritzpilla. You know, I, I, I could think he's like the last, Dale Davis, I think those are like the last real tough guys that the Blazers actually had, and I think they've suffered for it. You know, I think the league needs guys like Charles Oakley. You know, you, you, you've got to have a guy that's going to stand up for your point guard and it's going to stand up for your star player and make sure that if somebody gets in trouble, it's definitely not them because we need them. It's one of the most overrated aspects in sports. I mean, that's one thing. It, it's actually they've been going away from this in the NHL, but the NHL, like, they have a spot on their roster for the enforcer, the guy that just goes out there and makes you think twice about hitting Sid the Kid or something. Like, this. That's that's one of the reasons I love the NHL is they literally have a spot on the roster for just some guy that comes out there and and just he's bad. He's a bad dude. Draymond Green's that guy. He's and that's part of it's why you hate him, it's why you love him. He's he's kind of playing the role of a fighter out on the basketball court. And as you know, say what you you will about fighters, there's typically one side or another for a for people about fighters they either hate them or they they love them there's typically no in between like uh ah. like if if you're thinking about a fighter people either hated ollie or they loved ollie and now maybe for the right or wrong reasons but that's that's what i think of draymond green you either hate him or you love him for what he's doing on the court and he makes you think twice about going up there and doing a hard foul on steph curry he does he, he absolutely does like i i'll be honest i don't have a problem with draymond do i think he's I think he's great. No. Do I think for as much as he talks, he should, you know, he's that good? No, I don't. I think that he just happens to be blessed to play on a team that's as, that's as talented as gold, the Golden State Warriors are. I think if he played for, I don't know, let's say Milwaukee, I think he's Dewan Blair. Just being honest. I mean, I'm, I look at his game. He's, he's not, a, not a great shooter. He's a, he's a great playmaker when you have four people around you that can make threes at, at any given moment. So... That's just kind of how I feel about him personally. I do think every team needs that guy, though. And I think Draymond Green is that guy. But the question is, is he the most unlikable person in sports? 
And at the moment, I guess I would say no, because I think there's still a lot of people that feel some type of way about LeBron. Um, and all of LeBron's antics or the flopping and, you know, whatever the case is. I think there are a lot of people that hate James Harden, which is not even, like, really negotiable. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why all the way. It's kind of weird to me, but nobody's ever really been to able to articulate, well, why, you know? Oh, I don't like that he flops. Well, do you hate Ginobili? Like, he invented it. Like, I mean, but we love Ginobili. We've never said anything about Ginobili flopping, and he invented the flop for the most part. He and uh, Vladi Divac. But we don't hate those guys, and so it's, it's, it's one of those things. But that's a different topic for a different day. So, But I'm curious, who else is there that you would say, I just don't like that dude, I just don't like that girl? You know, I, I don't know if there's – I mean, all the people I can think of aren't in the sports world. I, I feel like a lot of them have retired and gone away. You know, I would say A-Rod, but A-Rod retired. You know, not like yeah. you know, I say like guys like that. It seems like they've been in in baseball. Barry Bonds, A Rod, like just guys like that, where you just uh, people cringe at the thought of that person. Like, I can't believe Barry Bonds is the home run king. Like, oh uh. yeah. Baseball has always been such a, a weird sport because baseball, if you think about it, it's an individual team sport. It's the only individual team sport there is. You know, like, I mean, granted, you look at the stats in basketball and you can win the most valuable player and you can win a defensive player of the, of the year and everything. But baseball is really about individual stats. It doesn't matter what your team did. Did you hit 350? Did you hit 340? You're good then. I mean, I mean, you can be Alex Rodriguez, the highest paid player at that time in Major League Baseball at a quarter billion dollars. And play for the worst team in baseball when he played for the tech uh, for the Rangers. He, well, he played for yeah, he, he played for the Seattle. Yeah. He played for Texas, and then he finds his way in, into New York with at that point the most lucrative um, contract in baseball. Uh, we got a text here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. People only dislike Draymond because he's not on their team. If he plays for your team, you love him. He's just like Rodman. One hundred percent agree. If Draymond Green today was a Portland Trailblazer, number one, the Blazers overvalue. Every player they have. Oh, you have to keep Thomas Robinson here because there's so much energy there. No, you don't. You really, you, you don't have to. Oh, man, you really need to keep Will Barton because, eh, not really. You can move, you can move forward. And I think Draymond would fit right into that bill because, number one, Portland loves its hard-nosed, hard-working guys. The guys that get on the floor for you, get a little nasty and everything, even though considering it's not a nasty place. It's not like a hard-nosed, you know, blue-collar type place. You know, it's... A, very much, you know, this is this is a this is a Starbucks, you know, country. This is a this is a Dutch Brothers type of type of country, which is fine. But I just no don't know if Draymond the person fits into Portland as much as well, Draymond the basketball player would fit into the Blazers. I I mean, his the person and the player. I think Draymond is a all star in very few other locations right I, now. I agree. I, I very much agree with you where. He's on a team right now that allows Draymond to um, – it basically highlights all of his strengths and hides a lot of his weaknesses based on all the the assets around him and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. And it, like you said, he's, he's not a great shooter from three until everybody else is shooting threes and then he's getting literally wide open threes on the baseline. You're like, oh, well, the, he can shoot the three when there's nobody around and him. And there's nobody that's going to be afraid of Draymond Green beating them. No. For the win. No. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears to football. Odell Beckham says, pay me my money. We're going to talk about it when we come back here right here on Sports Sunday. I'm a fan. 
are made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 948 right here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Uh, we've got a message here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. I'd save hate for much jerkier of violent figures like Joe Mixon or Jim Mora. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I mean. I think you can find Jim Mora Jr. We, we should, I should also say, not seniors. Seniors, <laughs> seniors kind of funny. Junior is kind of a, I'm not a, I'm not a Mora fan. NFL is just full of guys that you can really legitimately hate. I think so. I mean, that, and which which sucks because it's the most popular, you know, brand of sport here in the, in the United States. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you would hope they were better guys, but you know, money changes changes a lot of stuff. So, yeah, Jim Mora Jr. is definitely not the coolest dude that you want to hang around. But you know who does seem like a cool dude, and I do want to hang around just for a little bit just to see what he's like, because it looks like he's going to get into tons of of adventures. And this time, I don't mean Rob Gronkowski. I'm talking. Uh, Mr. Steal Your Girl himself, Odell Beckham Jr. Say what you want to about Odell Beckham Jr. I personally believe that he's the best player in the NFL. I know that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but the simple truth is there's something to be said about an undersized receiver who can take a three-yard slant for a 60-yard touchdown almost every single time. Like, there's this, I mean, honestly, I just think there's something to be said about a dude who can make every single catch that you want him to. He can beat you across the middle, which a lot of guys aren't doing because they don't want to get hit like that. He can beat you deep because he's he's got track and field speed once he gets past you. He's got huge hands for a small uh, of, a, of a guy that he is, being about 5'10", maybe, maybe 5'11". He's got incredible bounce, and so he can jump out of the stadium a lot of times to make some of those catches. Uh, he can dance his ass off. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be practicing my, my little dance moves trying to do my Odell, and, and he, he's got it. But here's the thing more than any of that. Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. performs. Flat-out performs. Let me, ask, let me ask you guys this. I'm not sure how many New York Giants fans we have here in Portland, Oregon. But I'm curious, why else would you watch the Giants game? Are you watching it for their great defense? I don't, not anymore. Not since Strahan's been gone. They haven't been had that great shutdown pass rush that they used to. So JPP is still good, even with the three fingers he's got. But why else do you watch the, uh, the New York Giants? Well, you're not, you don't watch them watch Eli Manning throw three, four interceptions a game. You watch them because you want to see what Odell Beckham Jr. is going to do. How about this? And I, I, I looked this up, and we talked about this before. Since Odell, this is his going on his fourth year. Right, so this is going to be his fourth NFL season. Through his, through his fourth year, um, he's already. Let's see, and I wrote it down. Um, among among uh, receivers, number one, he's going to be making one point eight million dollars next year. One point eight million dollars is what he's going to make, which I would take it right now. Yes, I'll do whatever you need me to do, guys. One point eight million, but for Odell Beckham, that's sixty fourth among the wide receivers in the NFL. I think we can all agree he's better than the 64th receiver in the NFL. Since he's came to the league in his three years, he's third in receiving yards, second in touchdown receptions, and fourth in catches since he's been in the NFL in his third third year. How about this? There have been three people that I can think of, and there's probably more, but I looked at some big names and looked at their touchdown rates 
through their first three seasons. I only found three people of the notable receivers. And mind you, there might be another one, forgive me, I didn't do all of the research. We didn't really have a lot of time to do that. But through, four, through three seasons, three dudes have more touchdowns than ODB in, in history that I could find. Jerry Rice has 40. Randy Moss has 43. And uh, Rob Gronkowski has like 39. That's it. Nobody, nobody. Through, through three years, or the first three years, Antonio Brown has seven touchdowns. Well, you got to think Antonio Brown was also a six-round pick. No, he, he absolutely, he was. You know, so, I mean, when when did he start? I, w- I would liken that more to when did he start becoming a starter. So we can look at his first three years at a, at a, as a starter yeah. and even go from there, and still Odell, Odell Beckham has more touchdowns yeah. than him. Well, and once again, Odell Beckham is, I, I'm, I'm not trying to fight against you, but no, Odell no, Beckham fine. is the only guy on that team yes, or has he is. been. Yes, he is. Absolutely. ODB, I believe, was. Not, not uh, even a running back for the Giants, uh, by the way. No, I believe he was like fourth in, in, in targets this year. So they made it a point to get the ball to Odell Beckham. But Julio Jones, who's been the number one, mm-hmm. 20 touchdowns through his first three years. Mm-hmm. Fitzgerald, who's been the number one since he's been in, for mm-hmm. the most part, in Arizona, 24 touchdowns. A.J. Green. Been the number one. 28 touchdowns. Odell Beckham has 35 touchdowns and 400, or excuse me, and 4,000 yards in his first three years. Pro Bowl, first three years. This year, ODB was third in in yards, third in reception yards, uh, fifth in touchdowns, third, uh, excuse me, sixth in yards after the catch, and fifth in yards per game. So he's top five in everything for the most part. If you're John Mara, what are you waiting for? John Mara is the Giants owner. What are you waiting for? You're Jerry Reese, who's the Giants general manager. And if you're Ben McAdoo, obviously the Giants head coach, I don't see what your what the debate is. Now, mind you, you'll listen to guys like Hal Hurd. No, man, guys like Odell Beckham aren't worth a point and aren't blah, 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 blah. He's selling, he's the only person selling tickets for you right now in New York. It's not his fault that you didn't build an offensive line. It's not his fault that you didn't go out and get a good running back or, or uh, a decent running back for the offense. It's not his fault that you didn't invest in great corners for your team. Odell Beckham can only do what he can do, and what he's been able to do is perform every single year. So I'm looking at a guy who's top five, been top five for the past three years since he stepped on an NFL field. Why would you wait to pay him his money? I think right now the, the only real reason that you can justify not paying him is for cap reasons. And – um, you know, that's one of the luxuries of this new um, rookie deal scale that they've had, The you know, basically since, what, uh, Sam Bradford came into the league. And it, it's allowed um, GMs to kind of build their teams around young talent for a couple of years without having to pay them. Think about this. This was a conversation that we had about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson um, was making, I want to say, less than a million dollars when he won the Super Bowl. When he quarterbacked... The Seahawks to the Super Bowl, he was making less than a million dollars. I don't even, he didn't even get a contract the very next year. So when you think about it, this is kind of the modern NFL. And I understand why you would want your money now as as Odell Beckham. Um, He's going to get paid. He's going to be probably the highest paid wide receiver when he gets his contract. So, well, the one that and and this is why Odell wants it now and not later 
And that is because at any moment in time, Odell could take a hit and it could end his career. And that's why he wants that contract now. And, and why I think he doesn't he, want to pay for less than and, $2 million and, a year. And Odell knows that because of his style of play, mm-hmm. because of the dance, because of the the hair, because of the really that 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 quintessential wide receiver look at me kind of attitude, he's he takes a lot of those hits. I mean, like much like Cam Newton, Odell Beckham has hit a lot. Yeah. You know, and hit hard a lot. And I think people kind of, you know, see the attitude and all that stuff, and they want to take an extra, you know, give an extra little licking to, to Odell when he comes through. So here's a guy that's he can talk the talk. He clearly walks the walk. And my thing is, if you're in New York, are you are you really going to let him walk? Are you really going to let him go? Do you really let a talent like that just sneak away? Because really, if I'm playing for the Giants, I'm going to ask for the freight. But if somebody else comes calling, say a la New England Patriots, and they're going to pay me less, if I'm Odell Beckham, uh, maybe. Uh, he's he's not gonna leave, and and that's one of the nice things about the the modern NFL. They're at, at the if they even they they'll just slap him with a franchise tag, and that's the thing. Like he's not going anywhere. They'll work out a deal. He's gonna be a giant for the next five years, six years. Like that's not an issue for me. It's it's it, the only thing that keeps him from being a giant for the next six years is an injury, and that's why he wants his money now. And that's totally understandable. And you look at it from the business aspect. Well, I don't want to pay you right now because you're less than $2 million against the cap right now, which is for your – we've already established he's a top five wide receiver in this league right now, top three wide receiver in this league. You're getting paid less than $2 million. As a business, you're looking at that as that's just a great win for you. So that's what you're pushing against as a player. Um, he'll he'll get his contract probably before the season, and this is just the way contract negotiations go in the NFL. Nobody just gets a contract. You think about how long it took him uh, to work out something for Andrew Luck. You look at what's going on right now in Washington with Cousins. They don't like handing out long-term contracts, and they want team-friendly deals, and part of that's probably because of what New England is doing. And like you said, Players are taking less money to go there. You think about right now, Julian Edelman is under contract for the next three years for $13 million. He's been their number one wide receiver for three of the last four years, and he's getting paid $13 million for the next three years. That's also why people don't want to go play for the New England Patriots. No, yeah, yeah and I think that's, a, that's, a, that's definitely a, a big reason. We have a, a text here here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. Uh, Giants the second-best defense in NFL last year behind the Broncos. Uh, this year, several analysts uh, have them as preseason number one. Yeah, I I like the Giants' defense. I don't have a problem with it. I just think it, if they I think they if they had done more earlier, then maybe the Giants are in a different a different position. But, but I Odell's think, first two seasons, there was the, there like was nothing. There was nothing. Was they nothing. literally spent over a hundred million dollars last year on their defense. So I mean, yes, they finally decided to put money into the defense, which has always been the Giants' calling card. You look at back when, and I, it always stings to talk about, but you look back when they played the Patriots. It was the defense that did it for him. Eli happened to make a couple tremendous throws down the stretch, but it was the defense that held that, those great offenses to 17 points for each of those each of those runs. So now that they finally decided to put defense around them, I think you're looking at a Giants team that could actually go pretty far in the NFC East with the NFC lease. So we'll see what we're going to call it this year. All right, coming up next, Kevin Durant is in search of his first championship ring. But does that make him a great champion? We'll talk about that when we come back here right now. Sports Sunday, 1080.